See if we can have any questions this evening. Yes. I have a question that might require some give and take. Um, to turn into a question? That I could turn into a question. Um, <laughs> you describe the Jiva Shakti as a substratum. And so there's several questions that arise by conceptualizing the idea that the jiva hasn't fall, fallen from the spiritual sky and does not and have an inherent root. <clears throat> and the questions go something like this. If, if the jiva shakti is a substratum, is it a substratum of Satchitananda or Sri shakti? That would be the first thing. Then, <clears throat> if it, if, is it a is the Jiva Shakti like a person or a spark of energy that in relationship with one either Shruk Shakti or Maya Shakti therefore takes on personality but if there wasn't a point in time which never is but say there wasn't a point in time that they weren't in association with one it wouldn't be personhood and therefore what we're actually doing is we have a material personality in Maya Shakti and we're developing a brand new personality in association with Srok Shakti. So if the case is that the Jiva Shakti is like a spark, that would seem to indicate or support why a, a unit of the Jiva Shakti could merge into Brahman and give up personality. And that's one point. And then, um, if it can, so therefore, it can give up, pers- it can walk from personality and go to Brahman. Now, is Brahman Tatashta, some kind of a Tatashta in between Shakti? And is the Brahman only made of Jivas or other parts of the energy? And um, let me see if there's one last part of this thinking that was going on about conceptualizing. Because someone said, oh, you know, Rari's mommy, the way he's taking it is to impersonalism. Mm-hmm. And I almost could see why they were saying that, but I didn't think that they had gone far enough in there thinking about it. And I wanted to dialogue with them. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a good portion of this thinking. Okay. Um, incidentally, I've addressed this to some extent in the last chapter of my book, where it deals. The book deals with the Panchatattva, of course, because that's the subject of the of the uh, Mangalacharana verses dedicated to the different principles that are represented by the fivefold personhood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita. Shivas and Gadadhar. So when you come to Shivas, then you come to the Tatasta Shakti. And when you come to Gadadhar, then you come to another Shakti Tattva, which is Bhakti or the Sarup Shakti. Bhakti is is the is the essence of the Sarup Shakti. So constitutes different kind of combinations of Ladini and Sambit. So a kind of sambit means a kind of knowing, like knowing that I am the friend of Krishna, knowing that I am involved in the romantic life of Krishna. That has a corresponding ladini, ecstasy. It would be different 
some similarities and so, and so forth. So, so that's a big topic that's also covered in in, in the book Shakti Tattva, both the the the, uh, the devotee, and if you take the Shakti Tattva you, in in person of Shiva, especially you've got a liberated devotee. So, you have to talk about the non-liberated status of the Jiva Shakti. Hmm as well. So anyway, the subjects are covered there. But um, yes, it's an important uh, topic to be sure. And um, you touched on a number of things. See if I can remember them all and and address them. When I say that the jiva is the substratum of personhood, something like that, for example, uh, I'll give you another um, way of thinking about it. The jiva is a unit of knowledge, sat, chit, and ananda, anu, is atomic. Um, you know, in one sense, these are immeasurables, but nonetheless, they are repeatedly talked about quantitatively. For example, bhakti, constituted of sandini, samvit, and ladini which could be translated Satchitananda, but they speak about a special Sat Sandini, a special Chit Sambit, a special love, Ladini, if you will. But they're talked about it, rather, it's talked about quantitatively. For example, Rupa Goswami says that the, the bliss of Bhakti, Prem Bhakti, is, uh, or the bliss of Brahman, multiplied a trillion-fold doesn't compare to a tiny, tiny atomic particle of the bliss of praying. So these are quantitative measurements. And you can't really do that in one sense. Um, but um, that's the way it's, it's talked about. <clears throat> Jiva, Shakti, maybe such an anu atomic and one of the Problems with that, of course, is that it's it has the because it's small, it has the capacity to be overwhelmed by Maya. Hmm. The Sarup Shakti doesn't have that capacity; can dispel Maya, and more than that, can overwhelm Krishna. We can't overwhelm Krishna in terms of our constitution as a jiva, but the Sarup Shakti can, and the Sarup Shakti personified as Nanda, Yasoda, Lalita, Vishaka. Sridam, Sudam, Raktak, um, and so forth. They do so in the context of Dasya, Sakya, Vatsali, and Madhurya, and they're the paradigmatic figures that embody these bhavas hmm, that are, they're not Jiva Shakti, hmm. they're Sarup Shakti. Can that be overwhelmed by Maya? And they can overwhelm Krishna. So we can't dispel Maya practically by ourselves without the help of some bhakti. Or to speak of overwhelmed Krishna, hmm. right? So anyway, as to, to, to what we mean by the substratum, so the jiva is satchitananda anu. Anu means like atomic, so small. Hmm. Um, excuse me. When we say the jiva is, for example a unit of, of chit, of knowledge, what do we mean? We don't mean that if you go inside the jiva, you can find all knowledge there. 
You're going to find out how to build an airplane. You're going to find out anything there is. It's got all knowledge. Sometimes the, the term is used that, 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 that they're full of knowledge. We're, we're, we're full of knowledge. Uh, it, it, but what does it mean? It, it doesn't mean that all knowledge. Knowledge is something. There's. It's a. The problem is with language, but language knowledge is acquired. So the jiva can acquire certain knowledge hmm, in, in in material life, hmm, in conjunction with its material subtle body. Hmm. It's acquired knowledge, but the only reason that it can acquire knowledge is because it is the substratum of all knowing. In other words, there has to be a knowing entity hmm, that has the capacity to know hmm, in order for there to be any knowing at all. Hmm. So the jiva is the substratum of knowledge, hmm? but doesn't have all kinds of knowledge inside of it, of, of everything and whatnot. Hmm? But it can acquire it. Hmm? So, what's more important then? Knowledge can be acquired or the substratum. Hmm? The substratum is, is, uh, is more important because without that, there's nobody to acquire any knowledge. Hmm? And nothing to be known is knowledge. So, we say the jiva is knowledge, and and but as the substratum of it. Similarly, sat, sat it it's eternally, it's real. Hmm? It exists. It, it it's not here today and gone tomorrow. It's um, it's not sat means it's not subject to transformation. Transformations refer to the transformations, for example, of birth, death, disease, old age, uh, the transformations of that that uh, the experience in the mind, emotional, subtle emotions, and so forth, in relation to the material energy, hmm? or what the mind is constituted of material energy. So the jiva is not subject to any of that. Hmm? But none of that can go on without the jiva. Hmm? Really, it apareya mitasthanyam pakatimbidi meparam jiva bhuta mahabaho yayedam daryate. Jagat. It's animating the world. It's animating principle, if you will. So, it's sought, it's chit, it has the capacity to love, ananda, potential to love, satchit ananda, anu. That's what it is. Now, that's not saying that it's a person. Then again, um, the scripture does refer to it as a purusha, right? The jiva is interesting because the jiva is described as a purusha and as prakriti. Hmm? Para prakriti, prakriti means nature here, material nature, or the para prakriti of a spirit of a spiritual nature, chit shakti. Hmm? So it's described as a shakti. But it's also described as a Purusha. Purusha is really the position of Bhagwan. He's not a Shakti. He's a Shakti Man. Hmm? So, in relation to matter, hmm, we're kind of like a Purusha. Hmm? Or, from another saying, we're the Paraprakriti. When we look at Bhagwan, he's the Purusha. Then there's Prakriti, and we're the Paraprakriti. Hmm? 
in relation, just directly between the relationship between the Purusha and the Prakriti, the Jiva and the Prakriti, is like a relationship between Purusha and Prakriti. The enjoyer, the Purusha, and that which is enjoyed. So, someone may say, well, the scriptures say that we're a person, we're Purusha. But, um, again, that is speaking about what what we are. We are the essential ingredient of personhood, without which, no matter how much variety you have, there's no one to choose it and to uh, embody it, if you will, uh, or to be embodied by it. So, in other words, what I'm saying is, in order for there to be a person, there needs to be that's different from another person. There have to be differences in the environment that we choose from. That you like it hot, hot I like it cold. You like red, I like yellow. You know, so uh, these are the what differentiates us from one another. Hmm? That's environmental, just like we say sometimes in psychology. There's nature and then there's nurture. So we have, the jiva is of a nature that lends itself to nurture, so it has certain potentialities that in contact with environment will have a certain result. So in contact with material nature, obviously we have a material personality. Likes, dislikes, so on and so forth. And that whole personality is all a product of our being associated with material nature. That whole personality. So if you were to take away that whole personality, what would you have left? If you had a person in there, right? A person there. If you take away the false personality of material identity, American, Indian, man, woman, and so forth, and, and you, what you had left was a, was a person. You had one Atma, Jivatma, another Jivatma, and a third Jivatma, and they were each different because they each had individual personal differences. It means what? Likes, dislikes, right? and so forth, then if that was the case, then you would have some jivas like peanut butter, some jivas like jelly, some jivas like peanut butter and jelly. Hmm? You have chocolate jivas, you have vanilla jivas, you have strawberry jivas. Hmm? Obviously, peanut butter, jelly, strawberries, it's all the material and environment. Hmm? that causes us to like one or, or the other, or all of them combined. <clears throat> so, furthermore, if each of the jivas, all of which, the jivatmas of our type, hmm, come from the paramatma, right? The Bhagavan Narayan lives in Vaikuntha. Hmm? He's the object of love there. He's tasting all types of love. Well, he's tasting dasya, shanta, rasa. But he's the object of love. He's not tasting sakya, vatsali, madhurya. That's Krishna. But Narayan and Vaikuntha. He's tasting bhakti. 
as the object of bhakti. And Krishna's Kamiraj explains he has a desire despite that. The desire arises in him to bestow the liberated status mukti upon someone. So he can't bestow it on anybody in Vaikuntha, they've already got it. So another world is necessary for Narayan to be compassionate, which he is, because he is a taster of love, and compassion is one of the types of love. So so with I mean, when we're talking about it in time and with language, there's limitations, there's no beginning to this, but with the desire of Narayan to taste compassion, there needs to be a corresponding world. Hmm? where compassion has its application. For him to be the savior, there have to be people that are saved, to need to be saved. So there's a form of Narayan, hmm? just like we start with Krishna, and then there's Balaram. Then there's Krishna and Balaram as Mul Sankarshan and Vasudev Krishna. Then they expand into Vaikuntha. Then they expand in the Dwarka Lila as Pradyumna Naniruddha. So you have Sankarshan, Vasudev, Pradyumna Naniruddha. And that, then they expand again into Vaikuntha in a more Aishvarya environment. Sankash Vasudev, Sankashan Pradyuna, Naniruddha. Then three of those expand as the Mahavishnu, Gabradakshay Vishnu, Shiradakshay Vishnu, the Purushas. And through the Purusha, then, and the world that the Purusha governs. The, the Purusha has jurisdiction over the realm of Maya where people need to be saved and there's people there. And so those jivas, those jivas, the Bada jiva, the, the, the conditioned jivas, if you will, they correspond with Mahavishnu, who's the form of Narayan to bestow compassion. And so, how is he characterized? Vishnu. In comparison to Krishna or Narayan, who are uh, uh, impartial, Krishna is even more impartial than Narayan, partial to devotees and so forth. Mahavishnu, the Paramatma, hmm? three forms of the Paramatma, the three Vishnu, the Purushas, they are equal. They are the witnesses so, can be characterized by impartiality, comparatively. In the Gita, Krishna says, what does he say there? He says, I'm not partial to anyone, but I'm partial to my devotees. So, one first half of the verse, Paramatma speaking, the second half of the verse, Bhagavan is speaking. Something like that. So, the Paramatma is impartial. So, I'm just saying this to emphasize the point that all the jivas that come from the Mahavishnu are equal. They're all equal. They're not, in our Siddhanta, the jivas are not distinguished from one another other than that each one is an individual unit of the same thing. So if you have a unit of Satchitananda, and you have another unit of Satchitananda, and the third unit of Satchitananda, they're all individual 
units of Satchitananda, but they're all constituted the same thing. So if you have one atom, another atom, another atom, they're all the same, they're all atoms, but they're all different atoms. They're not different from one another, but they're, they're um, what would be the word? They would be yeah, uniform. They're uniform in their constitution, but each one is individual. Right. They're delimited. So, if they were each different, inherently different from one another, then you would have a situation in which they were not all equal. Then the impartiality of the Godhead would come into question. Wait a minute here. He made one faster, one slower, one more intelligent, one less intelligent. It's not fair. When the sutras of Vedanta, the Brahma Sutras, bring up the question about the impartiality of God, hmm? they say, look, some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth and some people are born you know, in the Appalachian Mountains. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so God's unfair. The, the, then the response is, in the sutras, no, that difference is not God's doing, that's the doing of karma. Hmm? Which means the jivas are creating their own, individ, their, their own differences, disadvantages or advantages. Then the sutra replies, well, that's fine, but what about at the beginning when it all started? Some must have started out in one way, some must have started out another way. And then the sutra say, no, there is no beginning. Next question. <laughs> there is no beginning to karma. Which is not that hard to understand because there's no beginning to God, to Mahavishnu. The world is compared to his exhalation when it expands and then inhalation when it, when it contracts. There's no beginning to Mahavishnu. The implication is there's no beginning to his breathing either. So these cycles of worlds, expanding and contracting, expanding and contracting, have no beginning. And this is just common. That's Hinduism, period. It doesn't matter whether you're this, that, or other thing. Vaishnava, or Shaivite, or Dvaita Vedanta, this Vedanta, yoga, any, whatever. If you're Hindu, the world has no beginning. Hmm? It begins and, end, and begins and ends, and there's no beginning to the beginning and the ending. Hmm? So, also, of course, what is the world? The world is the combination of the jivas and the maya, matter and the units of consciousness. That's what it is, right? Hmm? The two of them. That that is it. And, and what 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 connects them? What what's the the binding force? The glue that causes them to stick together <laughs> is karma. So you can't have a material world without karma. Material world is the world governed by karma. You can't have a material world without karma. If there's no karma, well then there's no material world. So if the material worlds have no beginning, then karma can have no beginning. This is what the sutras say. For good reason. So, you, so you have all these jivas, 
They're all equal, they're, but they're equal units of free will also. Within, within the larger scope of Bhagavan's will, we say nothing moves without the will of God, means that the jiva has a will, hmm? With, that means, uh, well, libertarian free will of sorts, and then there's determinism. So we take a compatibilist position between free will and determinism. Determinism means if, if, if the farmer tills the field, plants the seed, that's the jiva exercising its will. Hmm? But if God doesn't put down rain, bring down rain, there's no crops. Hmm? So within the context of God's will, or sanction, we have will. Hmm? So we exercise our will, and if he agrees with it, then it, then it happens. If not, it does something like that. So he's. Uh, does the will start after its association with one of the energies? Not in no, it's the quality of the jiva. It's it's, yeah, will means also that it's an agent of action. To use like philosophical terms, it's a doer. It causes things to happen. It has agency. Is a, is a philosophical way of speaking. It has agency. If it doesn't have agency, there's no meaning to moral life. But if it has no agency, there's no meaning to Scripture saying, do this and don't do that. Because you have no choice. If you don't have agency, if you don't have will, there's no, there's no capacity to choose. So it does have agency. Hmm? It is a doer. It's not the only doer. There are other factors behind every action, as the Gita explains. But the will of the jiva is, is, is part of every action that, that we perform. So, so, the, so, the, so you have these units of um, jivatmas. Hmm? And if you have two of them, and they're both units of will, among other things, hmm? There's Satchitananda, there are other things too. This is one of the things, they have will. In one sense, Ananda speaks of will, Kriya. But at any rate, they're units of will. Now, if you have will, and I have will, and someone else gives us two things to choose from, right? There's nothing that mandates that you and I will choose the same thing. Because will is free. It means it's unpredictable. It's, it's free. Hmm? So there are differences. We choose differently because we're units of will. Hmm? That's just the nature of it. Hmm? And so we have differences, and that's called karma, those differences. They're superficial. They distinguish us from one another, and some suffer, and some suffer less. Hmm? And so, a good part of our suffering is our, 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 our will, hmm? how we exercise it. So, that exercise of will is part of what creates our material personality. If we were to take away that material personality, deconstruct it entirely, hmm? and clear it off the jiva, what we got is a unit of will, Satchitananda, has the capacity for to experience 
experience. It has the, it's the basis of experience. It has the capacity to, uh, to apprehend things, to know things. To, it has the capacity to, to act, to do, to love. It has all these things. Though that speaks about, this is Gaudiya Siddhanta, a very, very robust sense of Atma. There is no tradition of Vedanta that I'm familiar with or or of experiential spiritual pursuit, yoga path, um, sankhya. These are all paths for spiritual life um, in, within the larger um, circle of Hinduism. There's no such path that has a more robust sense of self than what I'm talking about. Hmm. For example, Yoga Siddhanta of of the Yoga Sutras posits a self that has no agency and has no capacity to be to to be a, a, to experience red, blue, green qualitative experiences. It's just a witness. That's all. Still witness. That's all it is. What I was speaking of is way more full of a and robust sense of a self. Let's go to Advaita Vedanta, the famous impersonalist group, right? What is the makeup of the jiva in the school of impersonalism? It doesn't exist. It's a fantasy. There is no jiva. We're not teaching that. We're not teaching impersonalism. Which teaches that there is that the jiva is an illusion. Hmm? Well, what is it that exists that's an illusion? It doesn't even make sense. That that's doesn't why make sense. Well, in 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 impersonalism or the Advaita Vedanta, sometimes in Gaudiya Vaishnavism referred to as Mayavad, there is only Brahman. There is only Brahman. That's all there is. There's only Brahman. Now, you wanted to know about Brahman. Go there for a minute. Brahman is not a shakti. So, that's not correct. Brahman is an aspect of Bhagawan, who has three aspects. He is Bhagawan, he is Paramatma, and Brahman, which are subjective experiences of the one Advaigyan, non-dual tattva, non-dual reality, derived those subjective experiences, by very different approaches, by the approach of bhakti, and Bhagawan experience, by the approach of yoga, the Paramatma experience, by the approach of jnana, the Brahman experience. So, um, if you, the Brahman is, 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 each of these, obviously, are manifestations of Satchitananda, Bhagavan, Paramatma, and Brahman. But the way in which the Satchitananda is kind of organized within them is different. So in Brahman, the Sat takes prominence. Hmm? Like I said, so therefore, in Brahman, one loves to exist and knows that I exist. And that's all. So that's 
<coughs> yeah, you're resting. Mm. Who merges with Brahman and Sayuja Mukti is, is resting. It's compared, therefore, to, you know, you feel tired and you want to take a deep rest sometime, you want to take a deep sleep, and you take a really deep sleep, and then somebody wants to wake you up and you just want to go back to sleep. It's just blissful. <laughs> just, that's what it's like. It's a contentless experience, which makes no sense. But there is such a thing as Brahman, Sayuja Mukti. Now, it's important to note that what we teach about Sayuja Mukti is not what Advaita Vedanta teaches about. Hmm? So there can be jivas who, there are jivas who engage in, in bhakti mixed with jnana, whose goal is to attain Sayuja Mukti. And so, by the grace of bhakti, they merge with Brahman. Now, when they merge with Brahman, they don't become Brahman. They are a unit of Tathasta Shakti. Hmm? But their the sense of their individuality is blurred by their identification with Brahman. Hmm? So it's like there's nobody there, there's nothing going on. It's just like restful, it's just like deep sleep. It's just like going under uh, anesthesia. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not... Therefore, Gaudiya Vaishnavas look even at that, what to speak of it, Vaita Vedanta idea, hmm? as being undesirable, being like a spiritual suicide, there's no potential for you to, to, to be a bhakta, be a person hmm, in the spiritual world, an eternal person. We have to get to that. Hmm? Um, in, in Sayuja Mukti. And in Dvaita Vedanta, we, we, the idea of Dvaita Vedanta, the goal, we say it doesn't even exist. There is no, there is, a, because there is a jiva. There is a Tathasta Shakti. Hmm? Advaita Vedanta says the world is vivarta. It's an illusion. Vivartavad. There is no world. We say, no, there is a world. Hmm? And it's shakti, it's, it's parinamvad. Hmm? Sounds like sankhya, but it's shakti parinamvad. It means Bhagavan has shaktis, and they, parinam means that they, they, they transform. God doesn't transform, but the shaktis interact in such a way that, that there is a world. Hmm. Advaita Vedanta says there is no world, there's no matter, there's no jiva, there's only Brahman. There's no Bhagwan, there's only Brahman. Hmm. It's um, it's uh, it's kind of a spiritual monism. Materialistic people are are monistic in terms of using materialism as a as a philosophical term, not just a consumer, but a materialist as philosophically. They are monists. They say there's only matter. That's all there is. There's only physical forces. So on the opposite side, the way to Vedanta say, no, there's only there's only Brahman. There's no matter. Hmm? And so the whole world is an appearance. So we don't agree with that. We're not impersonalists. We say there's a real material world. It's not what you think it is. That's the that's the illusion. Um, and the idea of the Vedanta Vedanta that the jiva is one with Brahman is just not true. This is n- not an accurate representation of the scriptures. Therefore, Krishna Das Gaviraj Goswami, for example, says when speaking about the Vedanta Vedanta that um, the Vedanta Vedanta is 
Vyas Brunta. Shankar is saying Vyas Brunta. This is how he depicts Dvaita Vedanta. Shankar is saying Vyas doesn't know what he's talking about. So give me the mic. I'm going to tell you. Crazy. Vyas is crazy. This is how Krishna does, how much like he's a little antagonistic towards the Mayavad philosophy. It's like saying Vyas didn't know what he was talking about. So you're going to tell us what he's talking about and you're going to posit this two tiers of Brahman and uh, this whole thing. And uh, There's Saguna Brahman and Nirguna Brahman and the Saguna Brahman disappears and there's only Nirguna Brahman and there's the so forth and so on. It's just all... It, in the sutras, I think it comes in the, in the first first chapter, 17th or 18th sutra. I wrote about it in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita in my commentary, exactly where Shankar comes up with his two tiers of Brahman and starts this whole, wait a minute, you know, that's not what this, it's not, it's your own idea you're putting in there. So that's how we think of the ideal of Advaita Vedanta. But there is Brahma Sayuja. Because why? Why is there Brahma Sayuja? Who can say? Hmm? From a scriptural point of view, why is there Sayuja? Why is there Brahma Sayuja? Because, the point is, the scriptures say there are five kinds of mukti, and Sayuja is one of them. Now, I'll just tell you as an aside, in his commentary on the sutras, the, the uh, um, most uh, holy uh, and venerable Baladid Bidjibhusana, describes Sayuja differently than in Chaitanya Charitamrita. He says Sayuja is the basis of all forms of mukti which constitute an identification with the Absolute. Mm-hmm. That's how he looks at it. Now, if from Chaitanya Charitamrita, of course, we have this idea there is the, yeah, the halo of God. It's outside of Vaikuntha but it's not the material world. And some jivas choose to merge with it. Hmm? And by the grace of bhakti, mixed with jnana, they can. Hmm? Um, and all their robustness of themselves that we're talking about is there, but it doesn't have the opportunity to manifest. Hmm? Some aspects of, its, of itself don't have the opportunity to manifest. It's a liberated condition. You can't fall from Brahman. There's no one to fall anywhere. <laughs> there is nowhere, there's only Brahman, and there's nobody else, there's no one to go, nowhere to go, nowhere to... something like that. You're asleep. Hmm? Can't fall down on your sleep, so... And that's eternal once one chooses that. Yeah. Now, it's, it, sometimes it's said by Gaudi Acharyas that one can fall from Brahman and there's a famous. Let me explain. There's a there's a, there's there's no question of being bored if you're deep in deep sleep, right? <laughs> deep sleep means the example is a good example because in deep sleep, what happens? The physical dimension of yourself, when you're in the deep sleep, you're unaware of. And deep sleep means without dreams. That means the psychic dimension is also closed down. So if you psyched out, so close down the psychic, and the physical dimension of the world, you've closed down the whole world but you're still existing hmm? in, a, in, a, in, a, in a restful condition. So the, the idea is, well, 
I woke up, I feel rested. So it means, okay, then you, you, you were experiencing deep sleep, hmm? even though you didn't talk about it at the time. Hmm? You can't remember something that you didn't experience. So I remembered, oh, I slept well, something like that. So, at any rate, um, the um, you can't fall from there. But there is a famous statement in the Bhagavatam: "Aruyakuchena param padam tada patantiya dovendadishnadritiyushmadangraya vishudubudaya vimuktamanina." It says there are those who. Vimuktamanina, they think they're liberated. Avishuddha Buddhaya, but their intelligence is not pure. They're offenders at the feet of bhakti, and therefore they fall down from their so-called liberated status. Now, parampadam, they, they go to the parampadam, and because they offend bhakti, they come down. Hmm? But you can't, according to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, in Bhagavatam, you cannot enter into Brahman. You can't become liberated without some bhakti. Hmm? So, what? And if you look and see, for example, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, how Krishna Das uses this verse hmm? in the Bengali, when he cites it, he uses the term Jivan Mukta. The Jivan Mukta is one thing. Videha Mukta is another thing. Jivan Mukti means, Mukti is the person, Mukti is the status. So the, the Jivan Mukti is the status that constitutes the penultimate state for the jnani to attaining the fin- final ideal. The second of the last, the last leg rung on the ladder to ascend into transcendence, the penultimate state. It's called Jivan Mukti. It means that the the, the jnani is liberated in this body, jivan, while living, it means, in this body, living. His or her karma is the body, obviously, and disposition, and that's parabdha karma. It's already manifest. And he or she is liberated in that they're not plugged in to the karma and creating any more karma, and that karma is just playing itself out, expending itself, and they're just watching it. Hmm? This is called Jivan Mukti in, in the school of Gyan. We have Jivan Mukti also in, in, in Bhakti. That's another thing, how that works. But this is the Jivan Mukti, uh, Jivan Mukti status. Jivan Mukti status. And from that status, one can fall down. This is how Krishna Das uses it. And that, of course, makes perfect sense to us because having gone beyond the modes of nature and entered into Brahman, and Brahma Sayuja, is a form of liberation. There are no modes of nature. There's no there's nothing that to no force that could cause you to to fall down. And your sense of your own individuality is merged with Brahman. I mean, Prabhupada is a real, you know, enemy of impersonalism. So he would take any opportunity, even create opportunities to attack impersonalism. So he would say something, they enter Brahman, then they get And he would quote this verse. But to sharpen the pencil and look at it, we see it refers to the Jivan Mukta stage. 
And these are the these are jnanis then who go so far, but they they offend bhakti. The verse says, because they offend bhakti, they thought they were liberated, and, and everybody else did too, and they were for all intents and purposes, but they offended bhakti, and therefore they come down. Vishwanath hmm. Chakravarti Thakur says. I think he describes four types of jnanis in his commentary on the famous Brahma Bhutta Prasanatmanasochitinakamsitamasabeshubhuteshubhadbhaktimlabhutaparam speaks about a jnani becoming a bhakta or having bhakti how bhakti takes effect in the jnan Mishra Bhakti pursuit and one attains Brahman. Vishutetaranamtaram, he enters into Brahman. Two kinds of the four can enter. Two kinds can't. Hmm? If they offend bhakti, uh, they can't. I forget what he says about the other one. Uh, um, the other side is, the upside is, amongst the jnanis, they can, they can merge into Brahman if they so desire, or they can become a jnani bhakta hmm? by association. And they can go to Shantarasa. Shantarasa is like way beyond Brahma Sahuja. Way higher status. They're not the same. Hmm? And then Dasya Bhakti. This is further along, so forth. Not the same measure, but between Brahma Sahuja and Shantarasa, we don't, we don't can't make a comparison there. Therefore, Rupa Goswami says, right? The bliss of Brahman if you multiplied it a trillion-fold, it would not compare to a tiny atomic particle of the bliss of the preem of Shantarasa, mm-hmm. or Dasirasa, mm-hmm. Sakirasa, and so on and so forth. So these are very different statuses. Mm-hmm. In one school, you you use bhakti to merge in Brahman. Mm-hmm. So jnana mixed with bhakti. Other school, bhakti is the upper hand, and what can become a Narayan bhakti, for example or further along, the Dwarka Bhakta. Hmm. When you get to Vrindavan, it's Gyan Shunya. The Gyan is like not involved there. You don't even know that God is, that Krishna is God. Hmm. So, extremes in personhood. <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, this, um, this uh, uh, from, from Brahman, your question, there's no falling down. Now, it has. It is said that someone in Brahman could go up. Hmm. How that happens, who knows? I think that for the most part, what's being talked about there is someone in the Jivan Mukta stage, like like for example Sukadeva Goswami, hmm. he gets association with the devotee, he goes, or you know, poor Kumaras, the Avyogendras. Or maybe it's possible that somebody wants Sayuja Mukti and they get it. Hmm? And they helped some devotee in the beginning become a devotee because they talked about bhakti, even though they talked about it in a way that wasn't Uttam Bhakti of Rupa Goswami. Hmm? Hmm. And then they met a, somebody in the school of Uttam Bhakti and they embraced bhakti and then they understood all these things. And then their original guru was... Uh, a Brahmavadi. Hmm? And so then they pray to Krishna that he'd be taken from Brahma Sahuja to Vaikuntha. 
Krishna may do it, it's possible. <laughs> but by, the point is, by the grace of a devotee, the only way I can think of it, if you get the, have the grace of a devotee, hmm, it'd be a strong uh, devotee to have such a compassionate desire for someone who had merged in Brahman. <laughs> but they, the devotees think of it like, what a loss, what a loss. So, this school of impersonalism is very different from what we're talking about. Hmm? And, and to misinterpret for example, the teachings, when we say that you're an individual, hmm? that it means to say that there are some jivas that like chocolate, some jivas that like vanilla, is a, is a huge misunderstanding of jiva tattva. Hmm? It's a huge problem there. Um, we're individuals, right? We, you know, that's like, you know, little preaching. I mean, it's true, we're individuals. We know people take it the wrong way. But they get encouraged, and they get it. Yes, I'm an individual. Yeah, right. And I have an individual relationship with Krishna. Fantastic. Yeah. So, but then they get too far with it, and then they 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 use these terms. That sounds like impersonalism and so forth. They don't understand. They say that they don't understand Vedanta, and how robust the sense of the the idea of the jiva is in Gaudiya Vedanta. It's so robust that now to get to the real conclusion here that because the jiva is constituted of what it's constituted it has this personality it is we experience ourselves as what doers agents of action right we make determinations and then we carry them out with our bodies seems like how life works right we see ourselves as qualitative experiencers and our qualitative subjective experience is unique. You see it blue, we both see it as blue, but exactly how you're seeing it, exactly how I've seen it is a little different, but we're a qualitative experiencer, we're a doer, we have, we're apprehenders. Hmm? That's how we experience ourselves. Godivedanta says, and that's how you are. Yoga says, that's not how you are, you're just a witness. The way to be done says, you aren't, you aren't at all, an indiv- you aren't an individual at all, there's only Brahman. The way says, just as you experience yourself to be, that's what you're like. Therefore, when the inhabitants of Vrindavan ask Krishna to show us what our next life will be, show them you're going to be the same. They thought, oh, great. Hmm? That doesn't mean... I'm getting to the, to the substratum of what you are and how you experience yourself as a doer, as a qualitative experiencer, as an apprehender. Hmm? That's how you experience yourself to be. The details of what you experience hmm? and come to know and the things that you do, that's, that's another thing. That's all in relation to the environment that you're confronted with that you're making choices and so forth, that's forming your material personality and so on and so forth. But what you are inherently, the substratum, hmm? Hmm? that is what you are really. So how you experience yourself, that's what you're like. We just need to put you in a different environment for that. all those potentials to be a doer, a knower, uh, an actor, an experiencer, and so forth, can be eternal. Hmm? 
And so there's a problem here because what we are is one thing, what matter is, is another thing. And the two don't mix. Hmm? They don't mix. So there's this false personality and it's temporary and we're not temporary. So it's a problem. Hmm? Now, you, the bhakti is another environment, so the sarup shakti. Under that environment, then, the difference between the sarup shakti and maya shakti, well, we already talked about it. It's sandini, sambitladini, it's, it's satchudananda, and more, more, more of the same, so to speak. Hmm? So, in association with, with, with that, then our potential. If you have, if you have a dollar and I have a hundred dollars and you join me, well, well we've got a hundred and one dollars. <laughs> you just grew there quite a bit, but I can, you know, uh, I can share it with you. So, so the srup shakti. These are two subjective things, srup shakti and the jiv shakti. Hmm? There's no matter there, so they don't they don't mix. The jiv shakti remains the jiva. Hmm? But it's influenced now by the sarup shakti, and that influence is something like like a young boy falls in love with a young girl. So there's a the potential for a young boy to fall in love with a young girl, if the young girl is presented and so forth. And so then there's a, then he becomes more. He feels more whole, uh, and so forth, because he's now realizing his potential, something like that, hmm? to love. So the jiva has potential, and it. It seems to be realized in the material world, but it just doesn't work. Didn't work. It's, so we have this. Fee- so Bhakti says, "Yeah, you have the potential and it can be realized, but you need an environment that that is of the same nature, basically, as yourself. That's a consciousness nature, hmm? not a matter, one constituted of matter, hmm? and so Bhakti." has an influence on the jiva. Now you might say, well, it sounds like the jiva transforms there, but the Bhagavad Gita says that the, Gita, the Atma is not subject to transformation, it's sat. No, because we say it has a nature that lends itself to nurture. Hmm. Here it's being nurtured. And so what happens? The jiva has a potential to love. So in, in conjunction with bhakti, in connection with bhakti and Krishna, it develops love for Krishna. When it develops love for Krishna, then in the, it, the expression of that love has a shape. Hmm? That's the sarup. Hmm? I gave an example the other day. If you take an iron uh, bar, you stick it in the fire, it will turn into fire. It will still remain an iron bar, but it's a conductor. So it will conduct the heat, and you pull it out, it will have a fire body. It might even have a flame on it for a little while. You know, but I mean, I'm just giving an example. Stick it in the fire, you pull it out. So you put the jiva in in the environment of bhakti, and it starts to act like fire. It gets a flame flame body. The fires are already full of flames, because now because it's in connection with a the conductor, then it has a certain shape. So you have a bhava of madhurya bhava, of sakya bhava. Those bhavas are eternally existing. They have no beginning. They have no end. What about my particular bhava? Well, your bhava will be madhurya bhava or sakya bhava. They're eternally existing. But what about the individual shape of it? That is that bhava and your will. Hmm? Mixing together. When you have a will, 
which you do, you are of will, but it's in, expressed in relation to the Sarup Shakti that's only and entirely working for the pleasure of Bhagawan, hmm? then in sadhana, under the influence of the bhava, the particulars of the flame body, if you will, hmm, particular to you, they would develop in conjunction with will to please Krishna. And, and as I said, well, each will is will. It, it does what it will. Um, in relation to the environment, all for the pleasure of Krishna. Therefore, all these coward boys are not just all automatons, just nimitta bhava sabya sabya chat. This is that's Bhagavad That's another. Krishna's the Arjuna's the instrument through which Krishna's doing this or that. In Goloka, one coward boy likes you know sing, another boy likes to dance. You know, uh, uh, one likes mangoes, one likes chikus. You know, and, and all this. It's a robust, full personality, and all of them are pleasing to Krishna. Every aspect of their personality is only for the pleasure of Krishna. You see, from the from the obeyed point of view, non-difference point of view, Bhagawan is experiencing, fulfilling all his desires through so many jivas. From the obeyed point of view, there are so many jivas with different desires, all for the pleasure of Krishna, in the context of a particular rasa. Hmm. So you have this spiritual personality that constitutes Prem, and Prem has a shape. Now, yes, if you if you go to if you if you go to the if you go to the the, the demigods world, you're going to get a body like the demigods. It's an interesting point because in materialism, it's thought, hey, if you may be consciousness, that's one thing, but con- you can't have consciousness without a material body. Therefore, I might stop this part of the brain, then you don't have consciousness of some things. You know, so they think that consciousness is entirely dependent upon the the body. It arises out of matter at some point. In one sense, we we, we you know strongly disagree. In another sense, we agree. Yeah, in order for consciousness to express itself, it needs a body, <laughs> material body, demigod body. You, you you can you can enter into earth. You can enter into fire. We have microcosmic expressions of these things in the world. And then there are the fire element itself, the earth element, the ether element. So you have Gopakumar, for example, going through all of them. He's meeting people in there. They've got ether, ether bodies, earth bodies. In the earth element, he meets, you know, Bhumi, worshipping Braha. Hmm? And it and and all the pleasure that everybody in all the whole universe gets from contact with the earth element is all you know like concentrated. It's a pretty earthy, happy, enjoyable place. But still, he moves on and goes to more subtle elements. Of course, then he goes to Shivalok and and Vaikuntha. Hmm? Brahman tries to swallow it, and he avoids that, and he hears, ding, 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 kong, kong, and what's that sound? And here comes a guy on a bull, that's Shiva. Hmm? And Parvati is on his lap, and he's in Shiva Lok. And this is the Shiva, the Maha, the Maha, the, the, the Sadashiva, he's worshipping Sesh, Sankarshan, and then the Vaikuntha Dutas come, and he goes to Vaikuntha. So, so, so uh, anyway, uh, 
And when you go to Golok, then you get a spiritual body. It's given to you. It's you know, it's 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 given to you in the context of sadhana hmm, by Krishna. That's the ultimate blessing. You have to have a body, as I said, to do anything. We agree with the materialists. <laughs> yeah, you need a body. Hmm? You say, well, wait a minute. Then, am I not my body spiritually? Because I'm not my material body. Are you saying I'm not my spiritual body? I'm saying that your spiritual body is constituted of sarup shakti and you're constituted of jiva shakti. And if you understand the jiva shakti properly, then you understand it has the, the past capacity to adopt to either environment. The difference between the two environments, material and spiritual, is that the, is, the, is just that. The spiritual environment is spiritual. And so are you inherently. Hmm? And so, yes, you're a jiva shakti with a sarup shakti body. But it's not like having a a jiva shakti having a material body. Hmm. But yes, and there is a difference between you, the jiva shakti, in the spiritual world, and Nanda and Yashoda who are entirely constituted of sarup shakti. You are, you, you are following their, their bhakti. There's not a difference in terms of you experience fully the, the bhava, hmm. but you are jiva shakti and that's not going to change. And the jiva shakti has a, has the capacity to interact with the sarup shakti and function like someone constituted of sarup shakti. Mm. And this is and this is very important. I mean, this is the whole idea of tatasta. Tatasta. It can it can it can live on either side, material or it can adapt to either side. Mm. So the adaptation to either side. Involves a body, particulars, desires, personality. So, you are an individual, spiritual uh, person in potential, and just like a baby is born and doesn't even know that I am, but a certain point point starts to think I am, I am, right? And so hankar works like that, and so there's kind of hankar in bhakti. So you start to think, I am, I am a gopa, I am a gopi, and, and it's, it's it's seamless. It's just it's just like as a child, just doesn't think, hmm, wow. Previously, I wasn't thinking that I was. Now I'm thinking that I am. It doesn't happen like that. Hmm? The child just starts thinking, I am. Right, at a certain point, the body facilitates that. And I, you know, when exactly happens, you know, it's not that you experience it. So you find yourself thinking, "I'm a gopa, I'm a gopi." So it has nothing to do with impersonalism. And unfortunately, persons who misunderstand like that, they really need a lesson in what impersonalism is and what jiva tattva is in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Otherwise, they 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 may very well be thinking that. I'm an individual person, and that personality that I am is going to go to Goloka, and that's just not happening. Sorry. Is it accurate to say then, or fair to say, that uh, your, as you've described, you Shakti the substratum of these things? Therefore, it can go to Brahman, because it's not inherent. Yeah, you made that point when you asked is the question. Yeah, because if you take off the Maya, Shakti, but you don't add Shuddha Bhakti. You just get Sattvika Bhakti that gives you what you want. You merge with Brahman. So, 
how would how could you give up an inherent yeah. characteristic? If you if if the jiva is inherently a person, then when you remove the illusion of Maya, then it, it should come out, right? There it is. But it doesn't come out unless you get bhakti. So those who enter into Brahman, yeah, they have the potential, but they don't realize it because they don't have bhakti. And so it's called like a spiritual suicide. But they, they killed their potential. Hmm? But, um, yeah, yeah. If, they, if you just remove the maya and there's a person there, then okay, there you go, just remove the maya. But we don't say that that's all that, that, that liberation in bhakti constitutes, just removing the maya. Removing the maya is one thing, that's a negative, and the other is the, and the influence of bhakti, hmm? attaining bhakti. Therefore there can be jnanis, jivan muktas, with no bhakti. Hmm? Why? All the, 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 the mayas removed, but they don't realize that they're persons. In the, in, the, in, in, in the full sense of the term, chocolate or vanilla ones, that is. Yeah. So when you were beginning the explanation, you talked about the impartiality of Bhagavan and how the jivas, therefore, are, in a sense, created equal, and they're all created equal. Of course, they're not created. They're, they're naughty, they're... But, but there is that sense of... Let me just say something. The Paramatma is equal, unbiased, right? So what are the jivas? They are like tiny partial paramatmas. They, that's who they're manifesting from. The one desire to become many. So what are the many going to be like? They're going to be like the one who desired to become many. They're all going to be equal. The individuality, then, you're saying, comes from karma, which means... So, I'm just trying to play this out. So, would it be the will that is inherent yeah. in Is that what creates individuality? Yeah. Well, not entirely, because each jiva is an individual jiva. They're individual in that sense. Even if they don't have, have any will, exercise any will, I say. I should say, they're all equal. Here's one jiva, here's another jiva, here's another jiva. They're all individual jivas. They're not all identical. Well, they are identical. The the tricky thing is they all are identical, but they all have will. So as soon as you have will, then they're not identical anymore. Because because they can, you can't, it's unpredictable what what the will will do. Hmm? So they have freedom. Hmm? So they're agents of action. Do something. Yeah, yeah, and that means they have will. They, they, so then so. a question might come up: and there must be some kind of partiality in there. If one person's will takes them in a negative way, and another person's will takes them in a positive way. No, as I said, you can have two people with free will, and that's the whole point of free will and offer them two things, and there's no reason to say that each should choose the same thing, because such is the nature of will. It's unpredictable. Hmm? Now, you know, if you want to be a madhva, then madhva was not 
he added something like that. He has said each jiva is different. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But that's not Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Okay. Therefore, Madhva's got tamasic jivas, sattvic jivas, rajasic jivas, only the sattvic jivas can get liberated. And, and then, then they, then they, so he added something. And um, Baladev, who carries over from Madhva to Gaudiya, Sampradaya, in, in his Brahmasutta commentary, Gubindabhasha, he does not agree with that. The differences are only based on fate, means based only on karma. Uh, but the Anadi karma is accepted by Madhva, but he wanted to add something a little more. See, I don't see the necessity for that, and apparently neither does Jiva Goswami, because as I say, will means will. I mean, it's free, so what, 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 you can't predict. Hmm? So in that sense, each Jiva is an individual unit of what? Of will, and so it's different in that in that sense. And will corresponds to the Ananda aspect in some way? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Jiva Goswami, and it's Paramatma Sandarbha describes the Jiva as, uh, there's about ten or so different qualities, but it's the unit of, it's Sad, Chit, Ananda, it, 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 it's an apri, it's Kartritva, Gnakritva, um, what is it? Kartritva, an actor, a doer, Gnakritva, an apprehender, and what, what is the other one? Uh, Bokritva, an enjoyer. In these three things, it's an enjoyer, it's an actor, it's a, it's a, it's a knower. He he's distinguishes them from its Satchitananda. Hmm? These are like potentialities that you can't be a doer if there's no environment to do anything in. You can't be a, a bhoktritva, an experiencer, if there's no environment to experience. Um, you can't be, you can't know anything if there's no environment, even though you're a unit of knowing capacity. So. So, and that is very important. This is, this word tatasta is very important. Hmm? That's how it can function on either side, either side. And the result will be similar, but very different at the same time. So, Jiva Tattva. Jiva Stockwork, Jaya. <laughs> Anything else? It's the time. I think it's a little late, huh? Okay. So good. Mongol Arctic tomorrow? Okay. Shishigoradamada Vakijaya. Oh, Pemanandi.